everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Years ago, H.G. Wells visualized roads such as these in his science fiction fantasies. And today they're a reality. You're listening to The Afternoon Commute with John Adams and Chris Kendall. Welcome to The Afternoon Commute with Chris Kendall and John Adams. Today is December 29th, 2015. If you'd like to hear previous episodes of The Afternoon Commute, you can go to hoaxbusterscall.com. And you'll see those posted up there alongside the most recent episode of Chris's Monday Night Broadcast, the original Hoaxbusters Call. Also posted up there are various articles and videos, some of them original in nature. So make sure you go check those out for any and all things Hoaxbusters. Go to hoaxbusterscall.com today. Chris, my friend, did you have a happy holiday? Um, yeah, it was it was decent. It was. Uh, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. We took we took a, a week off, and uh, we had some you know family stuff to do, and uh, yeah, good good times. But uh, we're back in the swing of things. We're going to ring in the new year with one of our uh, frequent guests. Uh, he's probably he's the most frequent guest next to Jay Dyer. And his name is Pierce Redmond, and he has a website called Porkins Policy Review. Porkins being from Star Wars, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, uh, the fat guy in the uh, in the jet fighter, right? Uh, yeah, he's he's the first character to die attacking the Death Star in uh, A New Hope. Oh, okay, so are you saying you're going to fake your death? Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 attacking the Empire. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Pierce is with us today, joining us from the East Coast, where it's where it's 40 degrees over here in California, and I think it's probably like 65 over there. In, uh, it's actually, where actually today it's, it's, uh, it's actually starting to get cold. So now, it, right now, it's uh, we had freezing rain last night, and now it's just cold and rainy right now. So a uh, little bit. Uh, more closer to winter, but we have had this uh, awful hot. We had a couple of days. It was like 75. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, yes, so yeah, global pretty, warming. Pretty I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, Pierce, I first caught one of Pierce on good old Aaron Franz's uh, website there and um, contacted him. We've been buddies ever since through this podcast and uh he's joined us uh, more than a couple of times and today we are going to talk with him about his recent uh series on the show homeland which i have not watched and i don't think chris has watched it either i don't watch tv um but 
I did enjoy you and uh, Tom's analysis of the uh, show. Mm. And I think there was a lot of points that you guys made throughout the analysis that are pertinent uh, to uh, what Chris and I uh, talk about uh, on a regular basis. And, um, and so, yeah, I wanted to have you on so you could uh, talk about that a little bit and, um, you know, tell us what's going on in the world of Pierce Redmond. I just want to say that Pierce, Pierce is, uh, has a, had a uh, podcast, uh, I guess like starting last year, uh, called the CIA in Hollywood. And if anybody hasn't uh, heard that, they should go definitely go check that out as well. So, uh, Pierce, how are you doing, bud? I'm doing good. I'm I'm so I'm glad to be back on the afternoon commute. This is uh it, feel, it feels a little bit like a home away from home. And uh, I think I, I think in terms other than Tom's show, your show is probably the show I've, I've most frequently been on or been asked to be on. So it's always a, an honor and a pleasure talking with you guys and uh I'm very I'm definitely very excited to uh talk about Homeland. Um even though Tom and I spent quite a bit of time <laughs> dissecting it and uh it was definitely uh not a burden but it was it got difficult at times because there's only so much you can talk about with a tv show um even one as intricate and bizarre as homeland uh and just a and a quick uh quick little shout out you mentioned uh uh you know you, you listened to our cia and hollywood series and me and tom secker uh <clears throat> excuse me are uh working on the second season of that and uh we're hope hoping to be recording at least a majority of the episodes this coming month. So in the next uh, two or two and a half months, we should have all the episodes out and uh, a load of uh, new guests. And uh, this is going to be a very different season. The second one is going to be a, a little bit different in terms of the um, the general thesis that we have and also in the movies that we're picking. And uh, we'll be probably releasing the um, movie list and the guest list in the next couple of days. Oh, cool. Looking forward to that. And, you know, one of the reasons Chris and I talk about uh, movies quite often um, is because they play such an, and and, uh, like we're going to talk about here with the uh, TV show, is this plays such an intricate role in providing the the narrative to people. And and it might even be the prime uh, mover and shaker when it comes to providing the narrative to what actually uh, plays itself out in so-called reality. And so, you know, Chris and I have talked about this before where um, you don't have all the details to something because the average person isn't going to go out and um, look into the details of, you know, some sort of event that happens, whether it be something that happens in, you know, the theater of war or whether it be a uh, staged shooting, mm. but there, there's always a movie or a television show that just so happens to have the plot uh, incorporated into an episode or into the plot of a movie, and it provides all the background stuff necessary for you to know exactly what it is that took place in that particular uh, event. Mm. Oh, absolutely, and that's been... Um... Homeland has been doing that since the very first uh, season. There's now five seasons in total, but they've been doing that from the beginning. And what's interesting about this uh, this fifth season, this current one, is, is that unlike the sort of previous model that Homeland was operating on, whereby 
uh, they would, you know, spend a, a whole season or, or in some cases multiple seasons, uh, you know, sort of filling in the general, you know, gaps and, and, and explaining, uh, how we are supposed to think of a particular person or an event. Uh, Homeland in this season is predicting events like days before they happen and also, uh, going back and interjecting in certain lines here and there to inform our opinions on things that just happened. So, for instance, the first season, or the first uh, two seasons or so, but mainly the first season of Homeland, essentially informed our opinions as to uh, Bo Bergdahl, who is, of course, right now um, set to be uh, in a court-martial trial. But Homeland basically set up the whole idea of a... Um, Western soldier being uh, kidnapped um, by the Taliban, being held for many, many years, and then coming back and he was turned and, you know, was going to carry out all sorts of plots against, um, you know, the government. And that's essentially what happened when Bo Bergdahl was released many years later. People were informed about how they should think about him based on this fictional TV show. And then, uh, for instance, in the fourth season of Homeland, uh, we basically have the Taliban taking over uh, Afghanistan all over again and the CIA retreating. And that's more or less what has happened uh, in the past year or so. We've seen the, you know, the resurgence of the Taliban. We've seen the, you know, quote unquote, the acknowledgement that Mullah Omar has been dead for many years. Uh, and again, the Taliban is extremely powerful again. And there has been this sort of pushback. Um, but that took, you know, that was like a whole year. In the case of Bo Bergdahl, this was a show that, was, you know, coming out years before he was actually released uh, by the Taliban. Whereas this season of Homeland is predicting events or uh, having events within the TV show that mimic things that happen several days later. So this is sort of taking the, the, that practice to a whole other level. And it's been uh, very eerie and kind of upsetting <laughs> watching an episode of Homeland and then the next day having some horrific event uh, that is, you know, more or less based on this quote unquote fictional TV show. So this season has been chock full of that. And we can get into some of the specific ones, um, but uh, it, it, it's, it, it, there seems to be a marked difference in the way this season was produced and in the writing style. And we actually, um, we got a little bit of information. It was so blatant to people. Um, I mean, for instance, just as an example uh, for your listeners, if they haven't seen Homeland, there is early on in this season, there is uh, the CIA uh, has this Syrian general, General Youssef, uh, who seems like he's going to be a big, important character. And he's, you know, high up within the Syrian government and they want to use him. They see him as a sort of moderate force and they want him to overthrow Assad and, you know, take over and, you know, spread Jeffersonian democracy all over Syria. Now, at the end of that episode, his plane blows up and we find out that it was the Russians that blew up his plane because they, you know, they love Assad. Now, only a couple days after that, um, I think it was maybe two or three days, we have a Russian plane being blown up by ISIS uh, over the skies of Egypt. Uh, and that's not the only thing. There, there have been many other ones. That was a big one for me. Um, so much so that even the mainstream media like you know the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or other people uh, have pointed this out to producers like Alex Gansa. 
um, and some of the writers that, you know, you guys are, this is almost too much. And they, oh, no, don't worry about it. And they've sort of provided a little bit more background as to how they write these episodes. And it actually turns out that, uh, you know, before when they're, you know, before even pre-production, uh, all of the writers, the producers, Alex Gansa, directors, along with uh, the two main leads, Claire Danes and Mandy uh, Patinkin, actually go to a private club, an unnamed private club in Georgetown in D.C., and they meet with uh, active duty as well as retired CIA uh, operatives, State Department officials, journalists, and also White House staffers. And they meet and basically exchange ideas, and that's how they formulate the overall um, structure for the the particular season, and in this case again, we had uh, ISIS. We have uh, Edward Snowden is is a you know the whole Laura Poitras, Piero Midiar, The Intercept. All of these things are within this uh, season, but this is the first time that they've ever acknowledged um, that they go and they meet. And again, their their main contact is uh, John McGaffin, who's a, a very famous uh, CIA operative who was, you know, running all sorts of black operations and whatnot. He's their main source, but he orchestrates getting the State Department officials, you know, White House staffers and other operatives to come and hang out in Georgetown with a bunch of Hollywood producers and writers and come up with these storylines that seem to be mimicking real world events in this season days before uh, days before they happen. So this is Homeland is the liberal version of uh, you know uh, what's what's her face uh, Claire Danes um, she's basically the left wing Jack Bauer. Oh, it's the same. It's the same um, production team as Twenty Four. Um, that's how they portray okay, it. Well, re- remember, remember back when Twenty Four was on, where that came out that they, that like the cast and the crew was all meeting with. Mm. Like high, uh, Bush administration people, and mm-hmm. to get all the you know, like they, they had that big party where like Rush Limbaugh was there, and they were yeah, all yeah. yucking it up together. Mm-hmm. So and Carl Rove. So yeah, th- these you know, I mean, so yeah, that, that's that's a that is interesting. Um, you know that that is interesting that uh, Claire Danes has gone from my so-called life to hang out with the CIA. Yeah. Mm. Oh, totally. And uh, yeah, again, I mean, Obama has said Homeland is one of his favorite TV shows. Um, you know, the, the, I believe one of the, the third or fourth season of Homeland actually premiered at Langley. Um, and again, it, you know, it's interesting. You're saying that, you know, 24 is sort of the, you know, the conservative or the neocon show. And then Homeland is the liberal one. And that's certainly how they portray it. In that you have um, several uh, major characters that are women, uh, you have a slightly more sort of grayish um, storyline. But at the end of the day, Homeland is basically just like Twenty Four, and that the CIA is always right. Um, you know, oddly enough, that the show is sort of trying to portray it. So, oh, it's this you know great you know women characters, and it's it's very you know you know pro feminine or whatever like that. Uh, but the show is actually, this whole season has basically been about how women are all evil. You can't trust them. You know, they, they just, uh, they, they want to, you know, corrupt, uh, the men and they use sex and all these other things. So again, it's that, that, that sort of, uh, tricky Hollywood CIA thing where they're, they're sort of giving you the veneer 
of the show being a, I don't know, quote unquote progressive. Whereas in reality, I mean, you know, I would never ever call the CIA like a progressive entity. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. You can ask Gloria Steinem about that. Yeah. Well, 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 that's, a, yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Working for the, the biggest <laughs> patriarchy on the planet, but, uh, <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, no, that's, that's, that's sort of the, the homeland trick. Um, or again, I mean, when the show started out, I actually was under, you know, very much of the impression. Oh, this is, this is a little bit different, you know, cause they're the whole season is about, well, you know, it, it's about drones and the, the vice president is sort of this evil character in, in Homeland, which I think is quite similar to in 24. Um, but then that slowly kind of disappears and it does just boil back down to, you know, all Arabs and Muslims are evil. Everything the CIA does is justified. Um, but they do kind of, you know, sex it up with a lot of uh, different ideas and memes and tropes. And it, it does fool a lot of people into thinking, Oh no, no, this show is different. You know, this isn't, this isn't like 24. This is like the smart person's version of 24. Um, well, whereas the, uh, the, fir the first part, I, I remember, um, like I said, I haven't watched the show at all, but I remember when it first came out because I was doing deliveries around LA and I would see like the billboards for it. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really know what it was, but I could tell from the name and just from the imagery that was used on the billboards. And then I, I went and I confirmed my suspicions that it was about a veteran who had decided to become a terrorist. And, you know, uh, some government entity was going to be hunting this veteran who became a terrorist. Turns out that's what the first season, I don't know if that's what uh, mm -hmm. happened in sub subsequent later seasons, but um, um, the first season was about a guy who was a veteran and he decided to turn terrorist, which uh, plays into the whole idea, you know, that that's played up on the, on the left. And I obviously don't believe there's any difference between uh, the right or the left or the neocons and the, the liberals and that type of stuff. But those, those, those ideas are being sold to a particular viewer. And so that was playing into those particular fears at the time on the right that, uh, you know, the government's going to come for your guns and they're going to put you in a FEMA camp and it's going to be veterans that are going to be targeted. And then it was also playing into the liberal, uh, side of it too like oh like you're saying like oh this is kind of different because you know it's it's not coming from a right-wing perspective it's that you know oh yeah there are these crazy gun nuts out there who will turn terrorist you know mm -hmm. so then so, uh, yeah. you have 24 that was popular right during the bush administration right and then this particular program is the the kind of i i guess uh sort of left-wing "Quote unquote side of the same general scenario, but then now it's we have a so-called Democrat in office, and then now this is sort of carrying over the same general themes, but then it's more from uh, incorporating a lot of what would be considered left-wing, I guess, uh, trappings or what have mm. you, right?" Mm. Is that kind of? Oh yeah, yeah. This is very much the 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 twenty four that uh, you know Democrats can can watch and not feel guilty about it. Um, you know, I mean, like for instance, like in twenty four, 
you know, Jack Bauer is brutally torturing people and no one bats an eye. In this, they brutally torture people and then someone sort of bats an eye, but then it's sort of like, eh, whatever. He was a terrorist anyway. Um, you know. <laughs> Although this season in particular is very interesting. They've, they've, uh, throughout multiple, throughout the entire, uh, season, throughout multiple episodes, they have, uh, sort of put in this, phony idea that the CIA doesn't torture anymore, that it's wrong and it's bad. And the, the people that really torture are the Germans, you know, the, uh, the BND, which is the German equivalent of the CIA. They're seen as being basically either Nazis or the Stasi. Uh, and, and Homeland is a very, um, I don't know, clever or cheeky about, you know, presenting multiple scenarios where, oh, no, no, torture is bad. We don't do that anymore. And and they, there's even a whole episode where basically they're, oh, it doesn't really work anymore. Uh, but the Germans, they still do it. Um, and this is definitely the CIA kind of playing, um, you know, catch up with the, the sort of general consensus that torture is morally wrong. Um, although, well, although they never say it's morally wrong, they just say it doesn't produce imp- good information. Not that, you know drilling holes into someone's hand with a power drill is, is it's not bad because if it worked, then it would be fine. You know, that's the sort of logic that, uh, that the Homeland producers are putting out there. Not that it's, you know, morally. I, 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 think, I think they're right. Mm. I, I, I think they're correct. I, 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 if you can't get someone to talk after drilling their hand with a power drill, then I mean, it's, it's not working. <laughs> oh no! It certainly doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it's yeah, just a, yeah. I'm, I'm being like... facetious, obviously. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you're yeah, you're correct. Uh, um, but I heard you guys uh, discussing that uh, particular fact. And to take it a little bit backwards to uh, what you were talking about earlier, um, in one of the uh, episodes you were talking about, and and uh, you didn't make specific reference to it. Um, right now, but uh, what you were talking about in this episode was uh, the element of hyper reality, mm-hmm. and and so yeah, that's that is a uh, a correct uh, term to be using for this because um, I, I tend to think that a lot of these events are totally completely staged. Um, I don't see how it would be possible to have a television show where a script is written ahead of time and then have those events play themselves out in real life and have those things uh, be completely and totally real but in the sense of that, that people think that it's you know something that's happening organically. And, and so it, it appears to me um, just from your guys' analysis of the show, which is why I enjoy listening to uh, you guys uh, go into these deep analysis, because it's something, that, like I said, I would never watch Homeland. I would never watch uh, any TV show. So it's, it's always good to hear someone analyzing it and bringing this to my attention. That you've got a script writer for your television show, but you also got a script writer for reality, too and how those things are going to play themselves out because there's a particular plan that is going along with it. And so even though you're having a meeting with, you know, Claire Danes and uh, Mandy Patakin as to what's going on in the series Homeland, there's obviously a meeting going on saying, okay, this, this stuff is going to play itself out in real life as well, and it's going to be set up that way. Mm. Oh, no, 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 certainly, certainly. And again, I mean... This, uh, you know, this particular season was a, 
You know, for instance, like, you know, Tom, uh, in, in a lot of Tom's uh, early work where he was dealing with the 7-7 bombings, he looked at a lot of TV shows, and there's a whole bunch of them, in particular the television show Spooks, which I think is called MI5 in the in the U.S., and this is a spy show about MI5, and there are multiple episodes in that where they predict 7-7 down to an episode that actually aired on seven set on July 7th, like three years, you know, to the day that was like basically predicted every aspect of it. it predicted the official conspiracy theory, the alternative conspiracy theory, everything like that. But again, that's years in advance. But what's creepy with this is that it's like days in advance or an event does happen. That's perhaps not um, depicted exactly in Homeland. So we, you know, like the Paris attack, that's not uh, featured in Homeland. There's nothing like that. But they went in and re-edited a couple of lines where one of the main characters, Allison, says, "What do you do? You want another Paris?" So they they want they want to at least instill that enough, even though that you don't need to. They don't need to put that in for people to be. You know, that's already in people's minds what happened in Paris. And then they're watching the show, which is also talking about terrorist attacks happening in um, in a European city. But they still want to at least, you know, keep you engaged enough that, oh, see, yeah, it's like Paris, you know, like, they, like equate the two, equate Paris and this fictional TV show and, and you know, put them in together. And that's partly what's going on. We were talking about with this, this whole concept of hyper reality um, uh, and particularly um, uh, Robbie Graham, who has a great book out right now. Uh, that I'm in the middle of reading called Silver Screen Saucers. Um, and, uh, and Robbie will be one of our, our guests. It's, uh, I think the only guest that we've ever really mentioned that'll be in the second season of the CIA in Hollywood. But he, um, very much focuses on the concept of hyper reality. Uh, in his case, particularly the way, uh, that, um, y- UFOs have featured in Hollywood films, but you can expand that out. But you get this, um, you get this moment where, you know, if you're watching TV or particularly in a movie, you know, if you're in the theater, it's real. You know, there's that tangible sense that you can lose yourself in a movie. That's why people like to go to movies. But at the same time, you know, you're watching a film. It's not real. You know, this is just a screen. These, these, you know, these are actors. No one's really dying in this movie. But it very much elicits this very powerful emotion. That's why propagandists throughout history have used film. You know, like like Lenny Reifenstahl wasn't making magazines. You know, she's making films because that, that's the medium that you use. Um, and the this the the way that hyper reality can can work in that is that you can take and if you can take a real event and you can take aspects of this real event uh, and then you can incorporate it into a movie. So it simultaneously is reinforcing the concept that yes, this did happen. But at the same time, it's a movie, so it's not real. So it's both real and unreal at the same time. And that's a very powerful concept that I believe the CIA is uh, very much into. Um, you know, I mean, that's like the sort, you know, they, they spend so much money and time on psychological warfare. This is a great way to do it. And you can look at things like uh, Zero Dark Thirty, which is about the so-called Bin Laden raid. And it does take some real factual events. And it also, it also makes things up and it, it, you know, it, it, there's outright lies in it, but it incorporates it into this movie. So it is, it is real. 
You know, some of these events really did happen and they're on this screen, but at the same time, it's a movie. So it's not real. Uh, and then it, so it reinforces the idea that, yeah, Bin Laden was still alive hanging out in this compound in Abbottabad, even though there's a ton of evidence that, you know, he was already dead. Um, but at the same time, that raid, I think did, it did truly happen. There were actually, you know, seals or whatever that went in there. Now, who they killed, I have no idea. I don't think it was Bin Laden, but they probably did kill someone. So again, it's, it's, it's being able to take real events and put them in a fake movie and make them both real and unreal at the same time. And that's very much what Homeland did this season, where they were taking real, I mean, they, they took Laura Poitras and they just changed her last name and made her Laura Sutton. Um, in the TV show. So they're, you know, again, they're taking a real character and they took her boss, Pierre Amidiar. In this case, he's known as Otto During in, in Homeland. And they do, they, they mock it up in a very real sense that this is, you know, this is a, a real journalist and she's doing all these things. But at the same time, you know, it's fake because this is a TV show. It's not real. So again, it, it it's a, it's a, it can be a complex uh, concept, but it's, um, when you start breaking it down, you start to see this is what this is very much what the CIA is about. Um, because and that's what they do in all their movies. Like you can look at in our first season, we talked about the Good Shepherd, and there's lots of events in the Good Shepherd that really did happen to a degree, but it's in this fictional movie, and they change some of the things around. So then the CIA can go and say, no, that never happened. So you know, there's a whole sequence in the good shepherd where they have this supposed double agent or something. They don't believe him. KGB, he wants to defect. They don't believe him. So they pump him up with uh, full of LSD and he ends up jumping out of a window. Now there really was uh, a well-known KGB defector um, called Galitzin who did defect and the CIA did torture him for years. He was in a, a, a black site in America um, and then eventually they were like, okay, yeah, I guess he was telling the truth. And then also Frank Olson really was given LSD. He really did work for the CIA under MK Ultra, and he did fly out of the window of uh, a hotel in New York City. But they combined all these things together, and then you get this this very disturbing scene in the movie that, again, is both real and unreal. And the CIA can turn around and say, no, that never really happened. It's just a movie. It's just fictional. But at the same time, they're reinforcing several ideas that there was there was a defector. There was a, a guy who was on LSE who flew out of a window. He was probably pushed out of a window. So that's, again, very powerful. And I think it sort of lulls people into this sense of um, questioning their own reality around them. And that's ultimately the best kind of propaganda that you can or the, the best kind of you know, uh, psychological warfare, mind control that you can do on a mass scale where people no longer believe anything uh, while simultaneously believing everything. You know, so you get a lot of people that are, I don't, I don't believe anything. And then you get all these people, well, it, they said it on MSNBC, so it has to be true. Um, well, well, just to jump in there for a second, it's like talk, talking about not believing anything. Um like, take, for instance, what, what you're saying about the Bin Laden raid. You see, like, in, in that particular instance, I could see it as that, you know, because, it, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going off memory, because I think that was, what, 2012? 
that that happened? Yeah, 2011, 2012. Okay, so so allegedly these seals all died after that event. Mm-hmm. Right? Like they all blew up in a helicopter or something. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, <laughs> so, so we don't even really know that that event even took place. Like we don't really know that seals went in there because the seals allegedly all died. And, and like, like we're just told this in the media, we're told it in the alternative media. Of course, I remember listening to Alex Jones after, after that. And he's, you know, going berserk, you know, you know, <laughs> the, the, you know, the, 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 the seals were all put on the same helicopter at the same time. And they were the ones who did the bin Laden raid. And now they are all dead. We're never going to find out what actually really went down there because they did not throw Osama bin Laden's body over on the ship. Right. And so, but anyways, I, I, I'm just saying uh, from a different perspective, we don't actually know that, that a raid actually did happen. That could have all been orchestrated. And then we had the movie Zero Dark Thirty to reinforce it that it actually did take place when it didn't actually need to take place in reality. It, it, it was something that was kind of unnecessary to do because like like you said, you have the you have the entertainment industry having meetings with the CIA, which, you know, they're pretty much one and the same thing. And so the the CIA having meetings with its entertainment arm, and then they're saying, oh, yeah, we're going to put out the story. And I'm speculating here, obviously, because I wasn't there and I don't know what happened. But I can, I can extrapolate it out and just say, hey, we're going to put out this story that uh, there was a raid at bin Laden's and... Um, and uh, he died, and uh, and then uh, we're going to put out a story that the SEALs who were involved in it all died, too, so that way nobody can really question them or know anything about it. And um, we'll have this movie come out that's going to fill in all of, all of the details around mm. it. So I'm saying that that is a possibility. Mm. Oh, for sure. And again, you know, all the... You're right in that all the seals died except for the handful that wrote books, you know, chronicling how they were involved in the raid. Um, and just to, just to, to, you know, as a, as a possibility for that too, all of those seals were on like Ambien and a bunch of other sleep medications on and off, uh, in the preparation up to that, including some of them reported actually taking Ambien on the helicopter going from Afghanistan into Pakistan. So, I mean, you know, for anyone that doesn't know, I mean, if you take Ambien and then wake up, you know, you're, you're forced to be awake. You don't know what's going, you don't know up from down. So who knows? They could have flown them. Like, like I said, they could have flown them somewhere, you know, and there was a house and they did kill someone. Now, was that Bin Laden? Who knows? You know, was that even in, in Pakistan? I don't, you know, who, who knows? Um, it could have been, you know, you know, that's, that's a, Again, that, that whole event is just like chock full of these like hyper reality. Um, and then, and then you get, uh, Catherine Bigelow, um, who's about to make a show for HBO all about jihadi recruiters. And you get Mark Bull, who was given unprecedented access to write this, uh, script about it. And Mark Bull is, is currently working on a movie about Bo Bergdahl, who again, you know, was predicted or w- at least the, the, the storyline that we're supposed to believe is what was going on in Homeland. So, Again, very well, interesting. You have Serial. You have that show yes. Serial, mm-hmm. which came out now, and um, I'm I'm planning on listening to that just because I'm curious about this particular thing being 
completely and totally staged. And then you got this, uh, like you're saying that there's this episode of Homeland that predicts that whole thing. That sounds big time suspicious to me, but also this podcast serial, um, uh, it uh, sounds pretty hilarious. This whole narrative. It is. <laughs> and, and so, um, so yeah, that's a, that's a good point there. And, uh, like you said, Catherine Bigelow, um, who, you know, uh, the Hurt Locker was a god awful, terrible movie. Chris actually went on a, a big rant about the Hurt, Hurt Locker on uh, one of his, uh, solo shows one time. <laughs> but, uh, Catherine Bigelow's best work, hands down, Point Break, man. Point oh, Break yeah. is just, that was the, that was one of the best movies ever made. I have mm. to say, I love, I love Point Break. Oh, me too. I, I wish Actually, it, I'm so I, bummed they're remaking it. It looks awful. I know it looks terrible, uh, terrible. Mm-hmm. But I have to say that she should have stuck with that, man, because mm-hmm. the Hurt Locker is like a terrible piece of propaganda. Wouldn't you agree, Chris? Yeah, it's it's the worst I've seen. I think pretty much hands down. It was just I just was absolutely repulsed by it. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. But yeah, it just it it is um, kind of this. It, it's really a twisted piece of work wherein it it is sort of this glorification of war and the Mm -hmm. dissolution of the family and a lot of just very corrupt ideals kind of encapsulated in one filthy little package. I just, (laughs) I I just thought it was just absolutely sick and it Mm. kind of embodies everything that's just absolutely repugnant about this whole, this whole thing. I mean, I, I think too, like, what we're talking about too, when we're talking about this is this, this, this absolute synthesis or this symbiotic relationship between fic- the fictional realm and then the so-called real world uh, events that are, um, I mean, you could, you could look at this stuff where um, I, I, and I sent you a link Pierce with all, all numerous examples of uh, things that, transpire in the media Mm. and then lo and behold like oh a real event you know quote-unquote real event happens that just so happens to follow and fall right in line with the plot line and 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 i'm sure i could flesh that out much more than it is right now and give just more and more and more examples and uh it, it and i think when um me and you know, we're, we're just talking about this, and I talked about this on the uh, on the call last night. Uh, with um, I think one really, really kind of um, blatant example would be the Gabriel Gifford shooting. Uh, I don't know if you've looked into that uh, it, very much. Have, have you examined sort of the the the, the different stuff surrounding that? Not not that much. That's with uh, Jared Lofner, right? Yeah. So the, there's yeah. this episode of like Grey's Anatomy that uh, was premiered like a, within days of the Gifford shooting, and it, and it's a you know the, in this the plot line of Grey's Anatomy, there's a shooting at a university. Mm. Um, the shooter's name was Jared. The shooter <laughs> uh, in the in the Gifford thing was Jared. Um, and I may have that, uh, slightly off, but it generally 
uh, almost almost the same name except for like one letter off and then they had a character named Arizona uh so the gift for shooting took place in Arizona mm-hmm. then they and then the clincher for me and this is what really kind of solidifies this as as, as something that cannot possibly be a real event reflecting a fictional event so it, it, it is the fact that a character in the Grey's Anatomy series in this particular episode had part of her skull shot off, just like Giffords. And then the procedure was um, verbatim what they described in the Giffords shooting of what Giffords uh, went through with freezing part of her skull to preserve it and all of that stuff. And then, and then there were... Um, hyping that up in the narrative, the Giffords narrative as some sort of new life-saving procedure that is, you know, sort of halfway experimental and we didn't know what was going to work, but it worked without a hitch and, and sort of like a, what would be a, uh, like a product placement uh, ad basically essentially for the medical industry there. Um, suspended animation. Suspended animation. Yeah. And, uh, we had that. We had that discussion with um, that lady, that Stephanie, uh, Sledge. Stephanie Sledge, and she went into to in depth detail, and that was really good. She broke that down quite well. Uh, that uh, who dropped off there? Is that John? Are you there, Pierce? I think Pierce dropped off. Oh, okay. Um, Let's see if we can get them back. But yeah, anyways, the, uh, yeah, the, there's, it would be really hard for you to replicate that in reality when the show came out first, basically. It would be, you know, it's not like the incident happened in real life and then the show came out. It's like the show came out where her skull gets blown off and frozen. Then the event happened in real life and it happened exactly like a television show that, that couldn't, that couldn't happen. It's not possible. No, and so, I, I don't think so. No, I really don't. And then Giffords is obviously acting. That's another thing too. It's like, it's, it's, it, there's, um, yeah, if you go to look it up, like I like I mentioned that that uh, YouTuber Postal Service, and if you look at his Giffords clips where he where he kind of puts back the back of her different speeches that she gave at different times. Um, are you back, Pierce? Yeah, I am. I'm sorry about that, oh, guys. That was my, my internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah she's, she's faking. She's faking because in the in. In all sorts of different speeches, she uses the same little joke where she's like, "Yoga," or and, and no yoga. No, no, sweetheart. Uh, uh, yoga. And she's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, oh, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yo, yoga." It's like, yeah, come on. And it's the same joke at different speeches that she's giving. And it's like, wait a minute, I thought she, you know, got her skull shot off. So how does she know how to? make a joke like you know it's it's bizarre and she's making it seem as if she it's part of her impediment that this is happening she's it's it's 
it's you know she's she's uh, making it appear as if that's taking place because of her disability, and, and it's obviously not since she's doing it in multiple different speeches at different places. So uh, that would be uh, like Chris was saying, an example of of where it's fake on the TV show and it's fake in reality too. Hmm. Yeah, and then I think what that does. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's, here's the thing too. Like, so could you extrapolate out and then therefore conclude that like, uh, well, San Bernardino and Paris and, and on and on are the same thing. Well, I, I think that there's other, you know, bits of circumstantial evidence that can be brought in to examine those events as well and arrive at the same conclusion. And I, I think, uh, you know, when we, we had this discussion with Jay Dyer about the CIA and I, and then, and Pierce, I know you're, you're very familiar with the CIA and, and stagecraft, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that, that is something that is pretty well established. And, uh, it, you know, you, you can read about that in different, di- different sources. I mean, there's a, Fletcher Prouty book. He goes into that about, you know, he is his book about JFK, but interestingly enough, he goes into, in one of the chapters of that book, he goes into CIA stagecraft and how they would perform like essentially what, what is what I refer to as street theater where they, they conduct a, like a shootout. Everybody involved is CIA. Some are playing one role. Some are playing the other roles. Like they're acting, out a scenario and then like uh, the townspeople come out and like maybe this is like he described something that's transpiring down in like south america somewhere Mm. um and then so the the townspeople come and they witness this and then they kind of say well okay well i guess the, the shooting's over and it's done and they go and then the cia people come back and they pick up their buddies that are supposed to be dead in the road and then they jump up, they're fine. They jump in the back of the truck, they take off. And then, you know, it's like, oh, well, so it comes out later, whatever in their, in their, in their, you know, news and whatnot. Oh, this was a coup or this was this, that, and the other thing. But really it's, it comes down to perception management. It's like really the, the end, I think result is what, what is the outcome as far as what the, what the populace, whatever the target is of the, uh, of the psychodrama or psychological operation, what, what they end up coming away with. And then they, they have a different perception of um, whatever is going to be presented to them in the next phase. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Just like Mm. we get processed through these processes. And I think it's important to have this controlled scripted narrative. And the best way to do it is simply street theater, stagecraft, you know, staging events, presenting them as real. And yeah, there's this all kinds of, you know, again, I say, you know, circumstantial evidence that kind of what is is piled up to the ceiling, basically where, you know, you have this apparatus in place to do just this exact thing that we're talking about. Mm. Well, well, real real quick, let me ask you a question, Pierce. Mm Mm-hmm. In Zero Dark Thirty, okay, mm-hmm. if you t- if you take the 
you know, the Jessica Chastain character, right? And mm-hmm. she's doing all the she's doing all the torture. It's you know, the, this is a torture film. That's all that it is. Yeah, it's a snuff film. It's a it's a porno torture film. Mm-hmm. You know, she's got the black leather on. It's it's you know, <laughs> it's 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 like a it's like a S and M film from the seventies or something. Mm. And you know, um, you you were talking earlier about how Homeland has all of these women all over the shows as well. And Chris and I have actually had a discussion about this as to as how many um, over a long period of time they've been inserting women into into the narrative. You know, uh, especially uh, like at Abu Ghraib. You know, yes. there were women doing doing the torturing there, and so this is to get women involved in the in the torture too. And and you see a lot of this, you know, like like uh, you guys pointed out with, with the show Alias as well. Mm. And it's all about the women agent. And so now what you have with the uh, fake San Bernardino thing is you've got the woman terrorist too, right? Oh yeah. So, so now the woman has been inserted into the terrorist narrative as well. So you've got your women CIA operatives, and now you've got your women terrorists. And now, because uh, like you guys have pointed out so many times on, on the podcast, is the terrorist could be anybody, anywhere, anytime. Uh, now it could, it could even be a woman. Mm. Yeah, who will seduce you and have sex with you and then, you know, kill you or something. Um, well, I mean, the, the, the female terrorist thing is go, I mean, there's my, my favorite, uh, white female terrorist, Samantha Luthwaite, um, who is, uh, you know, married to, uh, I believe it was Jermaine Lindsay, who's one of the seven, seven bombers. And, you know, then she, uh, you know, left with her several, uh, children and went to Kenya and then she went to South Africa and then back to Somalia where she married a bunch of Al Shabaab guys, all of which ended up either being arrested or dying. Um, you know, and she's, she's, she was in Ukraine supposedly and she was elsewhere and she, you know, she's, she's known as the white widow. Um, but yeah, they, they certainly, um, and she's great, you know, cause you can have the most outrageous story. And generally speaking, the British media, like the mail or the mirror, will, you know, front page. And again, yeah, the same thing. She seduces men. Um, she's a Muslim, so she's got to be evil. Uh, you know, and she was a, a, a pretty, you know, a nice middle class white girl who was, you know, seduced to the dark side, <laughs> to, to use the Star Wars reference. Um, so, yeah, no, and of course, and, and Homeland is totally playing that up. I mean, almost every female character in this show uh you know unless they're working for a western intelligence agency they're bad so you know we get allison the main you know the russian mole um who i at first loved and then is you listen to our episodes i just like could not stand her you know she's of course bad laura poitras's character laura sutton is ultimately a bad guy because she's hindering the cia and what happens to her she ends up becoming an intelligence asset at the end and the only two positive characters are claire danes and uh, nina haas who plays um astrid who is a, a female bnd agent but yeah they they and again they 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 give you this veneer of oh it's you know it's a progressive show and it's a feminist show cuz look at these women and um but but of course i mean they're most of the time even carrie is considered she's crazy you know she's bipolar she's hypersexual um you know all these negative 
things. And ultimately what she really needs is, you know, her father figure, Saul, to protect her or to accept her or something like that. Um, so really, uh, yeah, crazy stuff. And um, I don't know if this is like too kind of off topic, but we were talking about, uh, you know, shootings and things like that in films. And while I think, you know, me and, you know, John and Chris, we, we, we disagree on some of those things, but I will say uh, one shooting in particular uh, that I don't buy at all, but I can't really prove it is the um, Malala Yousafi in Pakistan uh, who was shot supposedly by the Taliban. You know, they blew off half her head and then they sent her to England and suddenly she's, you know, it looks, I mean, it just, I don't buy it. I don't think she was really injured like that. I, there's no, I don't have any proof to that, but it's just, most people don't get shot through the head um, and then flown from Pakistan to England and then, you know, go and, and meet with Obama and go to the UN and all that sort of stuff. And now, of course, there's a documentary about her, um, which is uh, the production companies behind this are participant media, uh, which is a, they're well known for CIA uh, productions, but they did, um, you know, they've done uh, a lot of these sort of like, uh, I don't know, like, do-gooder type movies, but they've done Syriana, obviously a CIA production, um, Good Night and Good Luck, which uh, deals with uh, several CIA type things, An Inconvenient Truth. Um, they did Charlie Wilson's War, obviously a CIA production. They have done some good movies, like The Cove, I think is really good. Um, I've never seen Food, Inc., but I, I've been told that's a you know pretty interesting movie. Um, they also did Contagion and Lincoln. Um, but they're, uh, oh, they did, uh, The Fifth Estate, which is all about Edward Snowden. Um, they did, they produced Citizen Four, which is Laura Poitras's movie about Snowden. Uh, they recently did Bridge of Spies, which is another CIA film. Uh, and Our Brand is Crisis, which is a, um, which is a, this is a, f a fictional version of a documentary, um, about, uh, James Carville and a bunch of other, uh, Washington people going and, and trying to, uh, steal the election in um, Bolivia. But anyway, they're now producing this movie about Malala, which is again, oh, she's this wonderful person and it's, you know, blah, 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 all these horrible things. And, you know, they're behind that. And then the other production company behind that is uh, of all places, it's in, um, it's called uh, image nation um, Abu Dhabi. So it's a, it's part of Abu Dhabi's media arm. Again, not a uh, progressive country for women. Uh, and, this uh, this Abu Dhabi company has produced a couple weird movies like um, the the Help and uh, the Beaver with um, uh, what's his name Mel Gibson, but they also did Contagion as well as Fair Game, and Fair Game is uh, definitely a CIA film. It's all about Valerie Plame and uh, covers Jody up. Jodie Foster was in the Beaver too, and she is yes. definitely hooked uh, into the CIA. Mm, yeah. Oh, and, and the, the Valerie Plain movie is just, I mean, chock full of, of CIA-type people. So they're behind the Malala movie. And the director, Davis Guggenheim, along with doing An Inconvenient Truth, um, he also, uh, some of his credits include 24 and Alias. <laughs> um, so, there, you know, there's definitely something going on there. But that's just well, one of those, those ones that uh, it definitely popped out to me. Well, uh, Chris and I have discussed it many times. I'll say this uh, real quick before I, I have to leave, and I won't uh, uh, say long goodbyes or anything because I'll just uh, email <laughs> you later. I'll just email you later and drop off. But um, uh, Chris and I have discussed it many times that head wounds are, are 
I mean, a head wound is almost impossible in in a situation to you know to get off a shot randomly, especially with these uh, shooters who you know they just pick up a gun and all of a sudden they're just massacring people. Um, I, I work in the firearms industry. Um, I shoot guns on a not so regular basis, but I've shot you know uh, guns many times in my life. Uh, if you don't know what you're doing, you, you won't hit the broadside of a barn door. I don't care how close you're holding a gun to a person. Hmm. Um, so uh, getting a head shot off and, uh, is, is fairly hard. And then Chris uh, has gone to a great extent of showing that people who do get head shot wounds, um, that the you, uh, Chris, why don't you explain it uh, better? You, you explain it better than I do because I'll uh, get all uh, I'll start yeah. digressing. I'm sure. Well, I, I think there's a, a distinction to be made between a penetrating headshot wound and a. Um, I think what would happen the majority of the time, statistically, if you get shot in the head, is because you you know the nature of your skull. It's it's to protect your brain, and it does a really good job, and and. And what will happen most of the time is the bullet will graze you and be deflected. But in the case of a, 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 a penetrating headshot wound, uh, the, sur- the rate of survival statistically, if you go look up, you know, those, those type of statistics on gunshot survival rates and stuff like that, if you get a penetrating headshot wound, in other words, if the, if the bullet busts open your skull, penetrates, goes into your brain or in, penetrates your skull the survival rate is something like five percent mm. like you're, you're not likely to survive a penetrating headshot wound um overall your survival rate of getting shot in general is somewhere on the order of nearly 90 percent so like the overwhelming majority of people that sustain a gunshot wound of you know generally will survive um, just, just based on statistics. So what we see in these events, um, you know, with like Fort hood, there was two headshot, uh, Columbine, there was a a couple of headshot, penetrating headshot wound. I'm talking about Gabby Giffords, a penetrating headshot wound, uh, James Brady, a penetrating headshot wound. Um, and then you just got through describing another one. Um, so statistically, that is just about impossible, it, and especially if you factor in the body counts, like with Sandy Hook, with the uh, with the recent San Bernardino, with uh, a lot of these where you have bodies just stacked up to the ceiling. That that is just that is virtually statistically impossible. To get the like a Virginia Tech, my gosh, man, how absurd to get thirty people dead on the floor with a guy coming in with two pistols. That is not even and and there was a lot of people that were regular shooters and people that were, you know, uh, you know, either former military with a with a lot of familiarity firearms. That is not even a feasible with with pistols, you know. Um, and even with a, a, like a so-called assault rifle, there's not that much difference in your ability to go into a room and 
lay waste to, you know, 20 people, even 10 people. It, it is not statistically even probable at all. And yeah, in the aggregate, if you take all these together, it's like that it is not even possible to have something like this. So it, it, it's, it, you know, now they're able to sell this on, on a population that's been fed endless hours of Hollywood uh, where, you know, uh, the, the, the hero or the anti-hero, whatever you want, uh, the, you know, the Jack Bauer or whatever walks into a room, <laughs> <laughs> there's like 30 terrorists in there and he, mm. he shoots and kills and, you know, it, it, and then when the smoke clears, there's like 30 bodies on the floor. But you see that, that is not reflective of, you know, the reality, you know, according to, you know, statistics that are out there. And, uh, I think that's another important thing to, point out on this stuff it's just uh, the the very highly improbable nature of it you know mm. well that 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 was the thing you know L- like i said i i <clears throat> i don't subscribe to all of uh you know that every shooting is is fake or orchestrated but certainly there are instances where it does happen and the malala one was one that just did not sit right with me at all uh and of course now she's this international spokesperson they're making this movie, this documentary is coming out about her. It's just got, you know, the, the sort of, not necessarily that the CIA's hands are all over it, but certainly the production companies, um, the directors that they like, they're all over it. Um, and they're, they're certainly, you know, presenting a very bizarre image. Uh, and it, 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 it would fit in line with, um, again, you know, Afghanistan, Pakistan, they need NATO troops there to defend women. Um, that's been one of their lines for a while. I mean, there were even, um, even, even groups like Human Rights Watch were, uh, in favor of that, uh, at one point. There was a big, I remember there was a controversy at one of the big NATO meetings in Chicago and Human Rights Watch had up all these posters about how, yes, NATO is protecting women and, you know, obviously they're not, um, yeah. you know, they're, they're, you know, not when they're bombing the shit out of them or breaking into their houses and molesting them or whatever. Um, or, or that, you know, that, that one, that soldier who went and just started murdering children and women, uh, in so a small Afghan village. Um, but yeah, that, that's certainly, uh, I think part of a larger propaganda, uh, ploy. Uh, and I just remember when I, when I saw, cause I hadn't, I had sort of just sort of stopped paying attention to the Malala stuff. Again, because I was like, there's just not enough out there for me to really, you know, it's just a gut feeling. And then I was, I was at, uh, I was seeing another movie with my girlfriend, and then suddenly this, you know, the Malala documentary comes out, and I was just like, this girl got her head blown off, and you know, and she's like totally fine, and um, <laughs> you know, just one of those things where you're like, really, is that possible? <laughs> um, so yeah, that not, was just not one, very likely you know, at all. It's yeah, very- exactly. Yeah. highly highly improbable it's mm. just yeah they, you know and, and and too like you know people do survive penetrating headshot wounds yes of course yeah um but normally you're not you're not the better for it you're gonna be no, in no, yeah, very yeah. bad shape right. and right. um and you look at giffords and um i've seen footage of her where it where if you look at her kind of sideways and it's like, oh, is there one of her f- side of her face kind of? Mm. But it's that's really hard to tell. And it's like, you know, and I think that could be accomplished through, you know, makeup or or, or maybe 
you know, a, a, a Botox injection or something like that in reverse where, it, you know, it's just loosening part of your face. Very easy to, mm. to, to kind of fake. But, um, I, you know, I think that if it was, you know, if she really sustained the kind of injuries as described, it, there would just be don't, no, absolute no doubt about it. But, mm. um, that's, that's not what we see with her. We see this where, you know, it comes across as a, you know, a, a, a mediocre, you know, performance. And, uh, I know that's, I know like, you know, I understand that, you know, I've been talking about this in this manner and like somebody could be, you know, tuning into this and say, well, that's incredibly sort of insensitive or, mm. um, but you know, you, I, I can't convince anybody of it unless they go and look at the, go look at the, you know, footage that's strung together where it's the same, you know, like I was talking about the same jokes and the same, and, uh, you know, there's some also footage out there where, um, well, it's, it's part of this very contrived, very, uh, okay. She's out, um, at a, sh you know, at, at the, at their property, you know, with Mark Kelly, the, the, the NASA guy, which is, that's a whole nother. Oh, right. So, I forgot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and he's, and, and so they're, and, and. It's, it, it, it's so contrived. It's just unbelievable. But they're like, oh, yeah, um, you know, my husband, he's still into guns and we're still very much pro gun. And we're so pro gun that um, he's out here shooting cans on our property yes, like, just, just right. after I got shot. And then, right. you know, and then it, you know, it shows her like flinching. Right. So she jumps when he when he when the shoot like she jumps and then they're showing her. It's like, OK. Gabby, your your right arm's supposed to be the right side is supposed to be totally paralyzed. How are you flinching and how are you moving your right arm? Mm. But you know, it's like most people aren't going to be scrutinizing her because you know she just right had a horrible mm. thing happen to her, right? So yeah, I think that that goes a long way in in disabling people's critical thinking. Uh, skills as far as like you know going there you know you, you just don't go there it's something that you know is, is sort of taboo you know mm. every oh well that's oh yeah that I mean that's like with the malala stuff i mean I, I don't even really bring that up even amongst you know my conspiracy minded friends <laughs> um, yeah because a horrible because, thing happened yeah. to her right she got right, exactly in the head i mean yeah yeah, yeah yeah by the taliban <laughs> by like, the taliban no less yeah it's yeah, not horrible, it's not easy to, to broach that subject um, exactly so it's like yeah you know and then with the paris thing it's like Okay, there's dead bodies all over the floor of that uh, theater where they had the concert, and there's you know some photographs of that on online, and it's like who wants to look at that? I I don't mm. care for that myself, but you know I I took a look at it and I said, you know what, this is just I I you know okay, there's blood on the floor for one thing, and then it's smeared into this. I, I don't know what scenario w which you'd have to have to go into to 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 get that result where you have this blood smear and this very odd pattern. But you know, it's like, okay, where's all the footprints that would have been tracking through all of that copious amounts of blood? Mm. I mean, where are they? Uh, you know, just look at things that are conspicuously absent. And yeah, yeah, I see the same thing in the Boston bombing. It's like. Okay, there's people scrambling everywhere, but 
Yeah, what is what is with this blood? How come it's not tracking everywhere, like on people's shoes? I mean, you don't you don't really see that. I mean, you'd see bloody tracks everywhere. People trying to run, trying to help other people running, like they're showing, and it's like, yeah, there would be blood tracked all over the place, but mm. yeah, you don't see that. So, I you know I. Yeah, I know how it sounds, and I know that it sounds like, oh, well, that's just, you know, sort of insensitive to other people's suffering and all that. But it's like, well, I mean, if you if you look at it and 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 examine it, and you're and you're thinking about it critically, and then you know you, you keep in mind that okay, I I wasn't there, so I all I have to go off of is this imagery that I'm presented with, and then you know I, I can only look at okay you know, what's missing or what, what, you know, should we see the guy with his leg blown off being rolled out in his, in a wheelchair as mm. opposed to a stretcher, you know, they took the lady next to him out on a stretcher. I, okay. They don't have enough stretchers, but then there's all these medical per- personnel on scene, which would be the case with any marathon, but they don't have a, they don't have a, they don't have enough stretchers to put this amputee guy in a stretcher and roll him off. No, they parade him out in front of everybody on a, a wheelchair. So it's like, yeah, I can't accept that. I just, mm. I just can't. I don't, I don't think that's the way things are going to go down. I really don't. Mm. Well, br- bringing it to a kind of an international level, and this will also kind of relate back to Homeland, but um, we had this, uh, this, the Russian fighter jets that were shot down in Turkey. Uh, and of course they, they were never in Turkish airspace. If they were in Turkish airspace, it was for like a total of 17 seconds. But, um, you know, if you look at all of the sort of how fast the planes were flying, all these other things, Turkey was monitoring them, you know, for much longer, uh, than they, they claimed to have been. But, um, you know, and there were also American planes reported, uh, you know, uh, tracking the Turkish ones if they got into trouble. But anyway, you know, we have, uh, Turkey claims they, they come in there, right? And they're shot down. Uh, they crash. Uh, again, another a Russian plane, just like the Russian, uh, bombing, uh, with the, the, um, the passenger plane. They crash. Oh, and then lo and behold, there's a bunch of, uh, Turkish journalists right in the area so that they can film the crash going down. Uh-huh. Uh, and then, and then they immediately rush into the mountains where the Turkmen fighters are, who is, that's why they were shot down was because they were, you know, these, um, uh, Turkmen fighters are being targeted by the Russians and the Turkmen are funded by Turkey. Now, the leader of the Turkmen, uh, militia in that area, the, the sort of head honcho, he's, you know, talking to, you know, he's got all the news cameras are there and blah, blah, blah. And he's, you know, oh, yes, we, we defeated the, you know, the evil Russians and we're just fighting for Syria. That guy is not a Turkman. He's actually Turkish. His uh, father is a uh, very prominent mayor in Turkey, and he's part of the Grey Wolves, which are uh, the, this far right fascist, um, you know, youth paramilitary wing of the, the fascist party uh, in Turkey. Um, their, uh, um, their, their hand signal is basically the devil horns from like heavy metal. Um, and they were the CIA's, you know, that's who, that's who Operation Gladio, that's who the CIA was using in Turkey to, you know, set off bombings and traffic drugs and all these other things. So talk, I mean, that's a completely staged thing. And again, that just not, didn't get any play in the media, nothing, no one, they won't even, you know, 
and it's 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 while while as on the flip side, Turkey is constantly reporting about this. You know, once his image was broadcast, all these Turkish newspapers were, oh, that's so-and-so's son, you know? And here's a picture of him doing the Grey Wolf hand signal, and he's not really Turkmen, he's Turkish. And, uh, and of course, it again reiterated back into Homeland, where you get another, another, you know, Russian plane exploding. Again, in Syria, and much of Homeland was dealing with Syria and, you know, chemical weapons, uh, you know, the whole Gouda um uh massacre which is uh, obviously didn't happen the way the media uh, portrayed it um so yeah i mean they're, they're constantly again that that's what was so creepy with this homeland was the amount of geopolitical events and other things and you know european quote terrorism and all these things being combined into one season um and it really was like they were just episode to episode was different you know, you, you'd have a character. No, nope, he's dead. Now it's about this. No, it's about that. Uh, again, constantly confusing us, constantly keeping us in that state of hyper reality where you're never really quite sure, you know, is is this real because it's on Homeland or is it, you know, or, or what? You can't differentiate. And, you know, I, I'll get people like that all the time. Um, you know, a lot of listeners of mine, you know, pointing to all sorts of things and, um, and it's not that they were necessarily wrong or that they were, you know, making too much of a deal about something, but it, it really is. That's, that's the mindset that it, it creates where you're not sure of anything. Um, you know, and, and, you know, once you start questioning your own reality, um, you know, you're, they've won at that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, I think too, um, I, uh, I kind of, I, 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 sort of do my own uh, bit of compartmentalization as far as, okay, now you'll hear this often and, and people kind of uh, will use this in their, in their speech. Uh, they'll say things like, um, you know, what we're doing in Syria or, you know, mm. we went to the moon or something like that. And it's like, well, you know, I please don't include me because I didn't go to the freaking moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And right. I don't know anything about Syria. I never been mm. there, and I sure don't have a bone to pick with anybody in Syria. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, please don't say we and include me because that I I don't believe in the Constitution or the United States either. That to me is fictional. I don't believe the powdered wig men had magical powers to make things into law and have them stick. They certainly did. <laughs> they believe it, but you yeah, know, yeah. And people, other people, a lot of people mm. seem to believe that. And, but see, I, I, I see that all as just mythology. Mm. So like, you know, when, when, uh, so when it comes down to saying like, uh, you know, somebody may say, well, yeah, you know, Chris, so you're saying it's, you know, everything is fake. It's like, no, I'm not saying everything is fake. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm 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 pointing out that you know uh what we are presented with by way of you know these quote unquote authorities cuz like a lot, a lot of this stuff and I and I point this out as like I you know nobody would buy it unless it was presented to them by a you know quote unquote authoritative source you know they're nobody's going to buy the I mean what, what I like the quote from uh, Mark Twain, he says, you know, the only difference between fiction and reality is that fiction has to be somewhat plausible. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, so what did he know? It's like, well, okay, that, see, this has been going on for a long time. And I, and I, and I think, uh, what it is and the way the, the, the context that I put it in, it's like, it, you know, we're, we're within this thing called civilization. And if you look up the definition of civilization, it, it, it'll tell you, it's like, okay, it, it you know, the, one of the characteristics of civilization is the domestication of, of animals and human and human beings. And it's like, well, you know, I, I, I think that the average, you know, quote unquote citizen is a domesticated, we're, we're, we're domesticated products, you know, we're, we're products of civilization. And, and part of the domestication process are these uh, fictions and mythologies that we're treated to that, that give us uh, a, a contextual framework to operate in. Mm. And to and we and we make those thing, things real in our mind, and that is how we're managed. Mm. And oh, look that's at the way the, I look at things. Oh yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, that just I was talking about this uh, over Christmas with my dad, and the, the you know, of course, Donald Trump, and uh, you know, came up, um, and uh, you know, just his whole you know, like make America great again, as if you know. F- uh, 50, 60, 70 years ago, it was wonderful. Um, you know, everything was hunky dory. Uh, and again, and he's, he's taking this very base, easy nativist kind of mentality that, you know, well, if only, you know, the blacks and the whites were separated and there were no Muslims and no immigrants and no Catholics and whatever the hell else they don't like, you know, that then America would be wonderful again. It would be this, you know, utopian paradise where we'd all, I don't know, um, you know, live like kings and trade in gold or whatever crazy notion. Um, but yeah, again, totally there's this mythologizing, this, this, oh, yeah. this, this past that never existed. And that's like Trump's whole, I mean, Trump is mythologizing himself. I mean, if you, if you come here to New York, no one likes him. He's a joke. Uh, he's not a very good businessman. Um, he's, you know, Chris, there have been times in, in both of our lives where we were financially more stable than him. This guy's gone bankrupt more times than you can remember. Uh-huh, but yeah. suddenly he's this, he's the great, you know, he's saying what, all, uh, you know, he's saying what everyone else is afraid to say. And, you know, and he's got all of these nuts like David Duke and, um, all the, you know, the, the guys that run like, uh, Daily Stormer and Stormfront, they're saying, oh, he's great. He's wonderful. Oh, you know, yeah. he, he's, he's a smart guy, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, what, what, uh, you know, it, it's, what world are you living in? I mean, this guy is mythologizing his own existence, um, you know, and, and, and of course he's, he's now his whole thing is, you know, he's going after Clinton as some uh, sort of serial abuser of women, which is like obviously true, but uh-huh. you know, Trump was flying around with Clinton's buddy, Jeffrey Epstein, you know, a convicted pedophile. Yeah. <laughs> right. Didn't he yeah. get uh, convicted for um, yeah. Trafficking and, <laughs> oh yeah. What, oh, well, yeah. He, he was. Oh yeah. He was convicted of yeah, molesting. You know, soliciting an uh, underage prostitute, which is like on its face th- should not should not exist. You know, if you're if you can't consent to sex, how can you consent to being paid for sex? You know, I mean, it's like like yeah. a twelve year old girl is not. You know, that, that doesn't that shouldn't exist. She's not a prostitute. But um, then he gets some. He gets some. Really ridiculously light sentence, right? I think. Oh he, yeah, he he had uh, was 
something like 16 months of which he only spent like half of that and he was on work release so he could leave anytime he wanted he just had to come back to the jail cell at night in palm beach they let him fly uh to his house in the bahamas uh oh of course and epstein is connected to everyone from clinton alan dershowitz uh is involved in a very nasty legal battle right now um clinton ehud barak um, Chris Tucker, Kevin Spacey, Courtney Love was on his plane. Um, you know, just about uh, Prince Andrew, obviously one of the big ones. Um, you know, all these people, uh, and of course Trump, and, and Trump is is mixed up in. He's so deep into this, but again, he's using this. Oh, I don't, I never knew him. I didn't know. I didn't know who uh, Epstein was. You know, that, that's what he said when it was, when he came out, he was a pedophile. Before he was right. a pedophile, he was praising this guy. He said, oh, he's a, he's a great guy. Yeah. And he likes women on the young side, but you know, haha, so do I. Then he, then it's, oh, I never met him. And now it's, we're just not going to comment on the fact that he was flying around. First off, Trump has his own private plane. Why is he flying on Epstein's? Second mm-hmm. off, the main, um, woman who is, you know, courageously come forward to expose Epstein, Virginia Roberts, where was she working? At Mar-a-Lago, which is Trump's resort down in Palm Beach. So this guy, I mean, he's all, you know, he's so deep into it. But again, like you said, it's this mythology that Trump is wonderful. You know, he's he's fighting the good fight. Um, you know, I mean, it's come to light that his father was a card-carrying member of the Ku Klux Klan. But oh, really? Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big New York Times article back in the 30s when he was arrested at a Klan rally. Well, that's, uh, and, uh, that's a plus in a lot of people's Oh, no, eyes. of course, I mean, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No, no. Yeah, I know. That's what's so disturbing. Yeah. But, you know, that doesn't really have to be, you know, okay, they could roll that out tomorrow in the press, right? And then totally, you know, discredit the guy and, you know, they could just hammer and hammer and hammer on that. But, you know. It, it it it's good for the you know political theater mm. and they got to keep that rolling and you know it's all uh to me it's 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 about as important and relevant uh, i think actually world wrestling federation is actually more influential and more important <laughs> on the yeah i really do i think it, i think it's you know influential and then you know, it's, it's, you know, it's obviously entertainment. Most people recognize that, but they don't, they don't recognize the, 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 uh, politics is, is essentially the same thing. And I, and I think that, you know, the, you know, Obama and Trump and these people are, are literally actors. I, I think they are literally actors and they're playing a role. I mean, I've, I've talked about before how, um, you know, John F. Kennedy, everybody loves John F. Kennedy, you know, another headshot wound victim. And, <laughs> you know, everybody loves headshot wound victims. And then, okay, he, he's the most, you know, celebrated, uh, especially people who are kind of in, into kind of conspiracy land. Oh, yeah, that. he's great. He could do yeah, no wrong. He, yeah, he's a, he's a martyr. He's a legend. <laughs> and, um, you know, so, you know, you go read about it's like, okay, every weekend the dude had off and spent at, um, uh, what is Martha's Martha's Vineyard mm. and 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 kicked it in Martha's Vineyard and every weekend they said every single weekend Kennedy took off to Mark. Oh yeah, okay, so he's president of the United States, <laughs> and then Bush, what he took off, like they said, almost a third of his a third of his presidency was to play golf, yeah. playing golf, kicking back at the ranch, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, what is he dragging tree limbs around or whatever? At the, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Kicking right. <laughs> around with Lance Armstrong. Yeah, I guess out there kicking over cow turds and like, digging <laughs> up earthworms out of the ranch with Lance Armstrong. <laughs> what 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 the hell was he doing? The third of his pre- okay, so. Yeah, he's a he's a playboy. He's a same thing with Kennedy. Same thing with Barack Obama. You know, God knows what he's into for real. You know, there's been <laughs> stuff that's come out about him. You know, it's like, um, are these guys really wanting a country? I I, I just don't believe that in any way, shape, or form. I, I I know that I know people like, I mean, my cousin was a manager at Hertz Rent a Car. <laughs> the guy never got any time off. He was always hmm. working. It's like he's not a president yeah. of the United States. He's just he's a he he he's he's got a just a regular job. You know, you know what I mean. It's like you hmm. get a regular job and you don't have weekends off. So uh, you know, I think the presidency in and of itself is a is a mythology. It's it's a it's a complete uh, sort of. Um, soap opera and then you know you you get someone who is crafted to be sort of an arch villain to one side and then sort of this um sort of infallible savior to the to the side that you know supposedly voted him in there but Mm. yeah it's yeah you look at obama's uh, okay, so he's got all these ties to Marxism, and uh, so they're saying, oh, his real dad was uh, Mar- Marshall, uh, uh, what's the guy's name, Marshall Marshall Davis. Mm. Oh, the, 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 you know, the Marxist activist and all this stuff. But, you know, it, it, it same thing with Bush. So you take Bush, and it's like, oh, he's, he's oil-connected, and he's he represents everything that's bad to the left, in other words. Right. Obama represents everything that's bad to the right. In other sure, words, so, sure, yeah, and 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 yeah, it's just like just you know the same thing you see in movies. You have this kind of very superficial, very sort of um, clear cut, you know, bad guy versus good guy, and I think even less so today with sort of the stuff they put out now, where sort of a lot of that sort of even more ambiguous is like, Oh, this is supposed to be the good guy, but he's, you know, doing bad things, you know, sort of this anti-hero kind of stuff that's being put out. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I, I, that's, that's where I'm at on politics. Mm. Oh no, I know. I mean, I, I, and we, we've, we've definitely talked about politics before Chris, but it's like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's also just becoming more and more real. It's like, I was just, I mean, the Iowa caucus, I think is very soon. Um, oh, yeah. and, and you, yeah. you still have these like psychos like Trump, they're doing like phenomenally well. Um, you know, and, and I mean, his, his ability to make, uh, you know, George Bush look like a, a great leader is, I mean, that's, that's powerful stuff. You know, when you can, when, when, I mean, he, he makes you, he makes you wish that Jeb Bush was doing well, you know, at least uh-huh. he's not, he's not quite a psychopath or he's not, it's such a blowhard psychopath. Um, but, uh, you know, and just also just, it's, it's the level to which he's getting away with this stuff. That, that's what, um, freaks me out and sort of makes me wonder what's really going on with this, this upcoming election. Um, because, you know, I mean, it was Romney says a couple stupid things about women, 
you know, like the women binders, which is like not even that offensive, really. You know, versus Trump, you know, calling Megyn Kelly a slut or something or that, you know, Hillary was doing something nasty in the bathroom. It was like, what? Uh, you know, he doesn't even get called out on it. Um, but, uh, what? I, 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 I heard about that. What was he suggesting that Hillary was doing in the bathroom? I, I'm not even sure. I Either, I guess, taking a dump or she was, I don't know, on her period or something. And this is very, like, you know, childish, like... Um, yeah, I don't know. Ridiculous. She was taking a shit. I mean, it's like what Trump? You don't? I mean, he probably spends God only knows how much time on the crapper. Yeah, what has he got uh, a know. fucking colostomy bag? Or- <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I know, and it, it, it's just that's what I mean. It, it's it's when the level of discourse is making me like defend Hillary Clinton. This guy is just he's going out of his way. Um, <laughs> you know, and and then of course, and he's connected with with Roger Stone, who's just you know a, a real nasty. Oh, yeah. You know, um, you know, well, he's uh, actually talking about world wrestling. I mean, you think I'm kidding. He's he's he was in uh, WWF Smackdown. I think he like uh, he he, uh, jumped on some dude's back and Roger Stone. No, Trump was in. Mm. He he used to uh, make appearances at. Uh, world rest, uh, uh, wrestling matches and shit. Oh, yeah, I'm sure he, him and Vince McMahon are probably good friends. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Trump is a he's a showman. Like mm. he, he likes to be in the public eye, and uh, mm. yeah, that's he's 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 playing a role now. I mean, yeah. does he believe half the yeah. crap that's coming out of his mouth? Probably not. Um, you know. Uh, I think people like Trump are, you know, pragmatists. They don't really are, aren't ideologically driven. Um, they, they are used to, you know, knowing what to say and in certain context mm. to get, to get, uh, responses. And, well, yeah. and, 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 and this kind of discussion we're talking about fits into what the, like the former discussion we had before we went into like, uh, um, white nationalism and all that. Mm, mm. And I think that uh, is a something that resonates with a lot of people. And I don't think so much that it's pure racism. I think that there are some uh, legitimate concerns with all this immigration that we see happening. And, um, you know, that can easily be turned into just overt racism. But uh, Mm. it... I think that there's a real reason why that type of rhetoric resonates with people so much, you know, it, it, and it's not totally unwarranted. Um, not that I'm lending any kind of legitimacy whatsoever to, to, to racism or anything like that. It's just that there, there's, uh, you know, the whole problem reaction solution. That's something that's always in play. And that's what we're seeing now reflected in this whole dog and pony show presidential election with Trump. Mm, and then mm. David Duke coming on Alex Jones and, and, and all this other stuff. And then, yeah. Oh, and Duke thinks Trump is great. I mean, he, Donald Trump is on Alex Jones and, yeah, uh, you know, know, and, 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 and that, that's what's scary too, is that then you get this whole, this, this section of the alt media, like, Oh yeah, Trump is, you know, he, he's speaking truth to power. And, you know, it's, it, is he? This, you know, yeah, disgusting, yeah. decrepit. I mean, he, how many times now? Two or three times he's talked about how he wants to sleep with his daughter. 
you know, she's so hot. If it wasn't my daughter, I would date her. Oh, you know, man. I mean, this, what are you this, saying? This, shit like that, really? Yeah, it's about Ivanka. Yeah, he said, oh, yeah, multiple times he said, yeah, oh, she should be in Playboy, and if she wasn't my daughter, I would date her in a heartbeat. You know, yeah, this is who you know. This and again, and, and it's you know, like this is the sort of pillar of moral, you know, superiority. You know. Um, or that, that he's somehow, I mean, that's what's so funny. That's what I find with the, you know, it's like the David Duke, the Daily Stormer, th those type of crowds that are like him. And it's like, this is the most decadent man, you know, Hitler would not have liked Donald Trump. You know, he, he, he's the opposite of the sort of clean values that, you know, not that the Nazis were, um, you know, moral, but they, they certainly didn't like decadence. They didn't, you know, they wouldn't have, you know, been in favor of some guys marrying all sorts of women. Of course, almost all of his wives, except for Marla Maples, are immigrants, you know, from the yeah. from the you know Eastern European countries. Yeah, he's talking about having sex with his daughter, he's flying on pedo planes and you know, and, and again, before he before he hated he realized that he had to hate a Hillary and, and Bill, he was at their weddings. You know, and Bill Clinton is at one of Trump's weddings. Trump was at, I believe, Chelsea Clinton's wedding. I mean, he was up until a couple of years ago saying how great he was. And the one of the wildest things, and we, we, then we don't have to talk about Trump anymore, is that if you look into New York City real estate is so corrupt. If you look into anything about him, Trump is connected to all the major crime families in New York, all sorts of racketeering. Yeah, man. Yeah, um, you know, he can make things happen. A ton of stuff. He can make things happen. That's what we need in there. We need a guy yeah. like Trump that can make he can, yeah. he can he can he can he can make the deals. He can make it happen. He can make America mm. great again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, make America great. Yeah, yeah. No, it's crazy, crazy. Uh, I mean, yeah, all sorts of Gambino crime family, all sorts of these people mixed up in his his real estate stuff. Um, you know, again, it's like this is the man you want. This guy, um, it, it, it's just nutty. Uh, one of the guys, I can't remember what his name is, but he's a, a Russian gangster. So, you know, you get the, you know, so this is okay. It's all right if Trump does it. Uh, and then again, well, of course. yeah. If, I'm sure you know, there's enough dirt on the dude to completely bury the guy. Yeah. I mean, if the press decided that that was. But see, no, I mean, they don't, they don't make the decision. I mean, this is, yeah, this is all part of the. Yeah, it's a big distraction. You know, I, mm. I, that's the way I look at it. I mean, you know, I mean, he is, he's, you know, his lines are, are, are crafted and I'm, and I'm sure that, you know, he, he's got a team of writers and stuff that puts his shit together. And then, uh, you know, he, he probably, I, I think I, I get the impression too that he, he, he will go off the cuff, you know, and he's got some lead way to do that. And, mm. uh, but, because he instinctually knows which, which buttons to push, you know. I, it, sure. I, I think he's one of those types of individuals, and uh, um, yeah, that's what what he's doing. He's he's just out there pushing buttons, just pushing mm. buttons, pushing buttons. Oh push, yeah, pushing buttons. Oh, and, and with no, he has no actual solution. Like, okay, you yeah. want to deport eleven million people back to Central America? Cool. How do you even go about doing that? You're gonna, you're gonna mobilize the, the military, start breaking down people's doors, dragging you know children and mothers and fathers out screaming, throw them in the back of a truck, and then what, drive them to Mexico and just leave them. I mean, it's you know he just says things. He doesn't have to. I guess what what surprises me most is that it the people are still letting him get away with it. 
you know, it, it was like every other week with Romney, it was a gaffe, you know, and it was poll numbers were going down. I mean, it's like they don't even call it a gaffe when Trump says something horrible. You know, he talks about banning all Muslims or something. What, um, what, when is know. somebody going to state the obvious and and just go ahead and say, why don't we just invade Mexico and take it over? What is it? Regime change already. Yeah. And mm. then, you know, make it make it a make it a part of America. I mean, what you know, nobody's suggesting that that's that's kind of odd. I, I mean, I, I and it's just the. Yeah, I mean, it's it's boggling. And then then I, I sort of, you know, I put on my sort of conspiratorial, you know, tinfoil hat and just think this is just, you know, that Trump is working for Clinton. And this is just all a big, you know, this is all big nothing. This is all orchestrated by the Clintons, you know, in order to ensure that she wins. And again, to have this evil guy who then Trump will leave and he'll go back to The Apprentice and he'll, you know, he'll go back to his little, you know, I mean, he'll get bored. I mean, imagine him in the White House, you know, after a couple months, he would, you know, he'd, he'd want to go back to Atlantic City or something. Yeah. He's not going to want to stay there. Um, after everything gets gold plated and everything, mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, you know, my job is done here. But it, yeah. You, you know, uh, no, it, yeah, it's really, yeah, it's a theater of the absurd. I mean, I, mm. that's the way I look at it. I, I, sure. I, yeah, I don't think there's anything real about it. And mm. um, it, it is, um, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's distraction and, um, you know, it's like it's another interesting thing is like uh, you'll you'll see like, um, oh, you know, Jesse Ventura, oh, Arnold mm. Schwarzenegger and then now Trump. And then, mm. OK, these sort of high profile political figures that have a background with the World Wrestling mm. Federation literally. <laughs> in <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. Yeah, like mm. how do those things go together? Well, then, I mean, it's just a natural progression from world wrestling into politics. I mean, it, and acting and and all of that. I mean, yeah, there's other examples out there. Uh, I can't think of at the top of my head, but uh, yeah, oh, well, yeah, Ronald Reagan was an actor. Oh yeah, Ronald Reagan. Uh, uh, there's senators and and people oh, yeah. that. Uh, that are go from acting to the Senate and mm. uh, Sonny Bono. What's, there's that oh, Sonny Bono. Um, what's one the, guy the I can't think of his name. He's been in all kinds of movies, but then he's yeah. a senator. You know, I'm talking about he's bald on the top, tall, kind of bulky guy. Oh, talks uh, with a twing, a bit of a uh, twing. Um, well, I, I know, I know that what's the Patrick Leahy is in every Batman movie. <laughs> um, he's like such a huge fan. Um, yeah. And there's a whole I, I uh, Tom Secker, you know, a little bit more into it, but the whole interesting thing with the possible CIA, um, at least endorsement of the Batman movies, um, without anything explicit. But uh, yeah, Patrick Leahy, who's the guy I'm thinking of, that idiot on SNL, and um, oh, you know, I know everybody's favorite liberal. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about Wisconsin or something. Yeah, he's in the Senate now. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Al Franken. Uh, Al Franken, yeah, God, cannot stand him. Yeah, um, <laughs> he's such a loser. Um, yeah, no, I, I, you know, it. Um, Tom Secker is a. Is a we, we've talked about it. You know, the Obama would be he'd be a great actor. You know, if, if after after the White House, if he just moved out to Hollywood and was in movie, he'd be fantastic. You know, he is a good actor. He's very yeah. he's affable. He's you know, 
Um, he would definitely be a fun person at a party. <laughs> yeah, he uh, was trained uh, under um, yeah, what's that guy's name? He's like a he, he's acted in Shakespeare plays and and all that. He said he took Obama under his wing for like mm-hmm. a, a, about eighteen months or something like that, and taught him how to walk, taught him how to talk, and mm-hmm. um, it, and that's where the uh, Obama persona comes from. That 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 guy schooled him on how to carry yeah. himself and everything and uh yeah he's literally an actor obama's literally an actor i um he can't cry on command he he didn't do no. a very good job on sandy hook with the he, <laughs> wiping the, the dry eye there right, but, right. yeah 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 yeah, but, yeah you know who can cry on command i mean that's a lot right. to ask for but mm. you know uh you know ronald reagan was probably the best example of that i mean to this day he's sort of this uh this this uh idol you know that the mm. that the right wing worships and 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 if you want to know why just go back and listen to like his his some of the speeches that he gave you know so yeah very uh you know emo- evocative you know emotional uh you know a lot of platitudes that mm-hmm. uh, are going to pull at the heartstrings and then uh yeah, and then he enacted gun control. He did a lot of stuff that would be pretty characteristic of a of an Obama type. But uh, oh, he's, he's oh, well, I mean the the whole the whole Reagan assassination. And when you start looking, you know that some some faction within the government wanted to get rid of him, or at least send him a message. Um, yeah, you I, know, and they, and they they did it enough at least, um, you know. And then of course, uh, what's his um, Hinckley? you know, connected with Mark David Chapman and World Vision and the CIA and the Bush family was close with Hinckley and, you know, who was in control when Bush, when uh, Reagan was shot, it was Bush and, and Alexander Haig. And, you know, there's a whole, whole bunch of weird, nutty stuff going on there. Um, well, yeah. And then uh, what Bush Sr. as his vice president. And, sure. Uh, yeah. After, you know, being in the CIA, I mean, we don't, we don't normally have uh, CIA directors becoming vice presidents, let alone presidents. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, that whole thing, that assassination attempt was from my perspective, pretty sketchy. And then, you know, you got James Brady, another penetrating mm. headshot wound victim that survives. Mm-hmm. And then he goes out and then he's the, he, you know, the Brady bill and all the gun control sure. rhetoric that he's spouting, you know, or, over the over the course of his life and then making appearances in wheelchairs. And then at other times he's speaking fluently and coherently. Other times he's got the stilted speech like Giffords. Mm. And then so he dies. And then, oh, look, look, we got a successor in Giffords, you know, just so happenstancedly mm. and coincidentally to take over for Brady as the the crippled uh, uh everlasting martyr that's the spoke that's going to be always rolled out to promote gun control mm. and uh mm. it just very uh, too many coincidences too many coincidences for me you know the very low probability of him even surviving that and then mm. just just way too many coincidences for me on that but you know oh i, I mean why why is you know why is uh, what was it one of uh Bush's son's supposed to meet with Hinckley like the next day, <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, like what the fuck? I mean, the whole, the whole, I mean, the world vision, um, you know, both him and Chapman with catcher in the rye, 
Um, yeah, I mean, of course. And then again, I mean, it's impossible for Hinckley to have actually fired the shots that uh, did hit Reagan and Brady. There had, there had to be other people. Um, well, and then to go watch the footage and then I, I me and John were joking around about it and said, okay, yeah, it was MK Ultra involvement, but the only guy that was MK Ultra was the cameraman because he, <laughs> he was able to com- completely stay rock steady during the whole right, yeah. practice. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So everything else was real. That, that guy was under some kind of sedative or mind mm. control or something so he can he can keep everything in frame while dodging, you know, have bullets whiz past his head. Cause he was literally like feet from Hinkley. And it's like, yeah, I, I just don't know if that's depicting reality. I mean, it certainly came across with the, with the reaction and everything is like the, the way that every, the, the secret service kind of sprung into action, all that, that, mm. that de- definitely came across as being, uh, realistic, no doubt about mm. it. Um, but see, I, I, I'm kind of at a place where it's like, you know, well, you described before what is real and what is fiction and how do we know? Mm. And you get to the point where you, where you don't, where you don't know. Is that some sort of bad place to be? It's like, well, I, I just take this and well, I, I, I wasn't there. I, I'm aware that you know, things can be put on film and delivered to me and, uh, you know, sold as real and can be presented as real and be believable. But, you know, it's like, I don't know. I wasn't there. And there's just too many circumstances surrounding the whole thing that would, would be suggestive of something that wasn't real. So I, I, Mm. I, I, I'll leave it at that. I don't, I don't, I don't get dogmatic about it. I don't, I'm not going to say it absolutely is one thing or the other, but you know, when, when, when all the circumstantial evidence starts to pile up, I think to a certain point, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'll, I'll put it in this category and, you know, and, and, and some of it more soundly than others, but um, mm. yeah, it, it doesn't really, like I say, I don't have an, an investment in this, in this fiction called the USA and all that. You know, I've kind of divested myself from that. Well, not kind of. I've totally divested myself from that because I, I, I recognize the whole thing is based on a mythology. Government is a myth. Uh, is a is a mythology. It's it's a it's another. It, it is a religion in mm. all respects. You know, it has its rituals. It has its all the trappings that religion has. And you know, if you really break it down and kind of run all the all, all the figures and the par- parallels to religion, it's like it's indistinguishable from religion. Mm. It's, it's, it's a fictional construct. It's it's, it's a you know a belief system. I, I personally believe in God. I believe in a creator, but I'm not. I, I don't consider myself religious. You know, I don't. I don't. But um, uh, so that's why I don't believe in government. And, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a, I'm not a religious in that respect. And I'm not religious in, in the respect that I'm going to believe in a fictional construct called government either. Mm-hmm. Well, and now, now we have this great, you know, we're about to have this uh, massive, you know, religious um, uh, event, you know, with the, the election. And of course we have yeah. the, you know, the crusading white knight, be it, you know, Hillary Clinton or maybe to a lesser extent, Bernie Sanders, um, mm-hmm. who I don't, I don't like at all, but he certainly, 
You know, he looks better and better when compared to Clinton or or Trump. But then, yeah, and you got Trump, this sort of evil, you know, dark fallen angel uh, on the other side. And, um, and I guess we, we haven't had an election quite like that in a while, you know, where it was this really, um, you know, I mean, the last election was so boring. You knew from the beginning Romney's not going to win. Um, and it was it was kind of a boring election. You know, where you, you're sort of like you're waiting for something fun to happen. This election, it's like every other day there's something crazy, you know, coming yeah. out of Trump's mouth. Um, but it does sort of it, it heightens it up to this sort of, you know, um, oh, I don't know, like revelation end time sort of a, a thing where, you know, it's oh, if 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 Trump gets in, the world is going to end. But it, or if Clinton gets in, you know, the world will end also. You know, you get you get both sides of the <laughs> coin, you know. Uh, saying the same sort of shit, uh, and it, it certainly it turns people into this sort of fervent, you know, red team, blue team, religious sort of a thing. More so, I think, than than other um, than, than other elections, at least in recent time, where it's been a little bit more subdued, or it's kind of like, yeah, McCain or Obama. It's like you really think, you know, it's like you, you think uh, some someone who puts Sarah Palin on their ticket, they're not going to win. You know, that that election was over the second they picked her. Um, yeah, uh, you know, and it's just sort of like no one's going to beat Obama right now. You know, he's just too popular, uh, especially when you get Romney. It's like this, although he has more personality than Jeb Bush. But yeah, I mean, there is this sort of, you know, good versus evil uh, sort of a thing going on. And they're both such great polarizing figures. As you, you know, it's if you're on the right, then Clinton is, you know, the sort of... Uh, you know, feminazi Marxist, cultural Marxist, who's gonna, you know, have little children having abortions or something like that. And then, you know, on the other side, Trump is, you know, the reincarnation of Mussolini and Hitler. Um, you know, and he's gonna, he's, he's gonna turn, you know, the U S into Nazi Germany. Um, so it's great in that sense. And it is, you know, and, and the, the way that people are fervently religiously, uh, one or the other is is also fantastic. So yeah, yet again, uh, as we've talked about many times, Chris, you know, politics and religion is a one and the same and a very dangerous, uh, scary reality. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So you 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 see it the same way. I, I yeah, not it's surprising that not that many people do. Even like a you know so called conspiracy. I don't like that word, but. Mm. I've I've made the point too that okay government conspiracy is actually it's actually an impossible to have a government conspiracy and not to go off into that but you know for the reason that you know if you're above the law you can't break the law you know mm. so people that are in positions of quote unquote authority are laws unto themselves and then we get that demonstrated to us you know all the time with you know oh even somebody as lowly as a a policeman gets off for some pretty heinous crime gets like some slap on the wrist or transferred to another precinct somewhere and uh yeah they're not subject to the law like the average you know citizen sure sure and so you know you have this and and people acquiesce to that um you know mentally assent to that concept because you know there's really not a whole lot of outrage expressed when you see this over and over and over again uh so what you have is uh, authority 
without accountability, without law. So it's like, well, so, you know, and, and, and I've had, I mean, I have this uh, wall of calls, I call it, where I've called, you know, police, policemen and, and, and officials and bureaucrats and different people and sort of engage them into a line of questioning and, uh, and, and what, what, it, what, it, you know, to, to get to the point here, it's like, it's, 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 it illustrates that, you know, these people don't regard law really. Mm. They, mm. they don't have a real regard for law because it, because they, um, make it clear in so many words, not directly overtly stated, but in so many words, it's like, yeah, that really doesn't apply to me. I'm a, I'm a police officer. It doesn't apply mm-hmm. to me. I'm a, you know, a bureaucrat, you know, I, Ooh, I, I'm Donald Trump. <laughs> I'm Donald Trump or yeah, yeah. whatever it does. law doesn't apply to me. Mm. And, um, yeah. And, and it's like the people, you know, riot in the streets over it now. So you got, you got authority, you put on a suit and you identify yourself as government and you're an authority and, and pretty much you make the law up as you go. But, you know, people don't generally see, we'll take it that far or go that, but it's like, yeah, that, that is obvious to me. So, so you got people that, okay, the laws don't apply to you. So you really can't engage in a conspiracy. If the law doesn't apply to you, you pretty much make up the rules yourself. Mm. And of course that's within, you know, constraints. I'm not saying that, you know, there isn't uh, a pecking order that is adhered to, you know, where you, you go too far out of bounds uh, in a, in a very open manner and then you won't get kind of corralled back in or made an example of, you know, I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but uh, by and large though, it's, 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 it, it, that, that's the, the reality of the, the thing called government. Mm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like we, we always, we always end Chris on, on politics and government. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I think we, we see eye to eye on, on, mm. on a lot of that. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, uh, with that said, you know, considering kind of where, you know, we're differing on, uh, what what is you know what can can be construed as fake what can be construed mm. as as you know something that that uh, reflects reality i think you know if if you have if you keep it in mind that you know okay the government is a fiction and you know they're they're i see it as like okay the military the law enforcement the and i went on in, in, into this in some some depth on last night's call it's that uh you know actually on a previous call i I made this point that you know okay the military and the the authorities and and i mean there is no real threat Mm. i do think there's i do think there's such a thing as as muslims that will you know do some suicide bombing and but i I think it's that could be characterize as something that's sort of sporadic as something that happens, but it's, it's, it's not this monolithic organized thing by no. any means. Um, and, and, and I think when it does happen for real, it, it's not reported on it's, it's, it's sort of a footnote. It, it'll be reported on, but it won't be made into a, a, a big production. You know, it, you know, I, I think it does happen, but it, it, and, and, and there is that, that ideology that, you know, a, a lot of 
Muslims and people adhere to, but um, it, it, very limited and, and very uh, uh, sort of disjointed, disorganized and, and nothing approaching what we're told, you know. Uh, but, you know, it, it and a lot of it, I think, has to do with radicalizing Muslims and, and you know, the CIA having a role in, in doing that, yeah. you know. Mm hmm. You know, with the textbooks, I mean, there's like, uh, oh, you read about, okay, the, uh, when was this back in the, uh, not sure what decade it was, but yeah, the CIA was, uh, oh yeah, we're, we need to provide textbooks to, uh, oh, sure, sure, Muslim children. And then, yeah, they were obviously, mm. you know, a, a concentrated effort to radicalize, you know, through, mm. through their, oh, yeah, all, all of these mosques that are being, you know, built by Fethullah Gulen, who's a CIA agent, um, you know, and then they're, they're stocked with, uh, CIA agents posing as teachers with diplomatic passports and basically, you know, indoctrinating, uh, children into this sort of cult of terrorism, you know, or the cult of Al Qaeda or whatever, you know, it is a cult when you get down to it. Um, you know, it, like, it, it's really easy for a lot of people. Oh, it's, it's, it's all, you know, the CIA, they're all CIA people, but, the, the average person strapping a bomb to themselves, you know, walking into a, I don't know, um, somewhere, blowing themselves up. They're mind controlled. They're not, no one's like, yeah, I want to do this, generally speaking. Um, you know, they, they get indoctrinated into a cult where this seems yeah. like a good idea and that they'll have all these virgins and whatnot. Um, you know. Yeah, and um, I'm I'm sure that more often than not, or in the probably every case, it's going to be... Uh, some sort of uh, intelligence operative at the helm mm, of yes. that particular cult. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, uh, it, I, yeah, I think there's a lot of, a lot of uh, stuff out there to, to back that up. I mean, even that's not even really something that's, um, they go through a lot of effort to conceal because that, that was all justified under the Cold War and all that, right? Sure. You know, uh, we're doing it for a good cause, even though, um, any other context, you know, the ACLU would be freaking out. Oh, that separation of church and state can't use state mm. funds to make religious uh, anything, you know. But oh, it's okay for the CIA to do it and radicalize mm -hmm. Muslims with it, and yeah, nobody got too uptight about that. But uh, that, that was okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, but any other thing is like, oh yeah, you don't dare mix the church and the state, which is absolutely ridiculous anyway, because the state is a religion in and of itself. But, uh, yeah, but, you know, with, with those things in mind, I, I, you know, the, the concept of these fake stage managed events where you have willing participants and, um, like, uh, did, did you, did you check out the, uh, video I recently posted about the, the whole thing with these hyper realistic training drills? No. Uh, yeah, if you go to hoaxbusterscall.com and then at the top, there's a link to the YouTube channel mm. and it's, it's titled warning colon, uh, graphic content dot, 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 mm. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's about the, uh, hyper-realistic training drills, Craft International and the San Bernardino. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of those, uh, um, Yeah. Yeah, so oh, well, they, they were doing that right. in New York uh, recently. Uh, Hyper-realistic uh, drills? 
Oh, just all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where they, they had this, uh, oh, this was almost a year ago in the summer. Uh, but they were, you know, these, these terrifying signs in the train station, um, of a gas mask. And there was, you know, the, they were MTA signs and they were saying, you know, don't be alarmed. We're, you know, for, uh, for, for, you know, security drills, we're pumping a, a clear, you know, gas that you can't smell. It's not dangerous. It's just to see what would happen or something like that. <laughs> and you these signs all over the place. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, is it, is it safe? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, just always something though, to like keep people at this sort of continual mm-hmm. state of uh, paranoia and fear. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's great for the, um, you know the 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 state the status apparatus there. I mean, you know that's 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 who benefits. You know, and um, that's what I was uh, you know trying to point out in this in this video. It's uh, that um, so it, you know it, to, to give a synopsis of it. You know, real quick, it's just uh, okay. So I'm showing this um, this, this event that that's put on by one of these one of these uh groups so it's like oh it's a, okay it's hyper realistic training for the military and law enforcement and and uh we're going to acclim- acclimate the the troops and the and the police and the SWAT team people to these this you know gore hyper realism and then you know amputee actors with blood spurting out but it's all mm-hmm. you know this uh stage makeup and everything um and 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 they you know it's talking about how they incorporate Hollywood style special effects and everything into this hyper realistic training. So yeah, it's very realistic, very graphic, very, you know, visceral and everything. And, and, um, so, but, uh, why, why, why I wanted to bring that up is because the guy that's giving the presentation, um, he says something that I think is very, uh, pertinent to this discussion is that, you know, oh, well, you know, basically paraphrase what he says, you know, we do this, we do this to, so that it doesn't happen in real life. You know, we, we do this, we do these hyper-realistic training, we do these things, you know, so to avoid this happening for real. I said, yeah, that's an interesting thing that to say there about this, because um, I think too, that's insight into, okay, why do this? Why participate in it and, you know, keep it concealed from the public that this is what's going on? It's that it, it's, it's the noble lie kind of thing where it's like, oh, yeah, we got to lie to people. We got to put on the stage managed events. We got to tell them that it's real. We got to convince people that it's real. And by doing this, we're going to position ourselves to keep it and prevent it and act, actually preventing something real from happening. You see what I mean? Oh, no, I think I lost. Did I lose you, Pierce? Oh, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I was just saying, uh, you know, and they, and they never actually managed to, uh, to stop anything. <laughs> well, no, yeah, like... Uh, yeah, it seems like they're a day late and a dollar short. Yeah, uh, yeah. Body count's pretty substantial. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the the idea though that um, 
you know, they're, they're employing the Hollywood style special effects. I mean, the Boston bomb looks identical to what they're showing you on this training video with these, you know, mm. simulated bombs. And it, it, you know, it's, <clears throat> I mean, just verbatim identical to what they show us on Boston. And then, yeah, the blood not being tracked everywhere and looking very paint like and artificial looking. And yeah, you know, just it, 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 it's kind of hard to believe, I guess, for a lot of people that believe that that would be a a, a drill, but then be, being presented as real. But, you know, if we're talking about the government and the noble lie concept, which is definitely in effect, it's like, yeah, I could totally see the the willing participation in such a thing under the pretext that, oh, we're doing this to keep it from happening for real. We're presenting it as real, you know, to get people in line and to, you know, kind of, you know, grab them by the top collar and to shake them awake, you know, because they justify it to themselves, you know, under the pretense that, you know, because we need to make people aware of this. It's not really happening for real, but we need to do do it and make this presentation so that it'll avert a future scenario from hap- really happening for real when a you know a, a terrorist gets a suitcase nuke and brings it over here but we're not <laughs> prepared for it because no, nobody's been made aware of it and that's why we got to do these stage managed productions to get everybody on board with this new legislation legislation pushes and all this stuff that needs to be done to really protect us from this ever nebulous sort of imaginary threat mm. that the 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 state apparatus is will, willingly will go along with this myth, mythology because it serves the state mm, mm. and and um yeah to to make make a presentation or make a pageant and to sell it to the public and 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 to do it and to you know to keep quiet about it and stuff like that is i think a far more believable scenario than the idea that there's these mercenaries that are actually literally killing American citizens by the dozen and <laughs> doing it on a regular basis. I, mm. I, I just, I think, I think that's harder for me to believe than the idea that it's wag the dog, you know? Yeah. And yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, before I, uh, <clears throat> cause I got to run, but, uh, before I, I leave you, I'll leave you with just a little like, a personal, uh, story on this, but you know, at, since nine 11, uh, every single train you get into, um, you almost always hear, even if you're just, you're going from one stop to the, you know, to the next one quick, uh, you'll always hear that, you know, if you see something, say something, it's not just a bag, you know, you've, you've probably heard it in numerous other things, but it's always, always happening in New York city constantly. And, you know, big stations, there's always cops, you know, who can, uh, illegally just stop anyone and search their bag because they might be a terrorist. Oh, sure. And, uh, and that is just played, you know, nonstop since 9-11. So this is more than a decade now. This has been going on. You know, and every day I hear this. And the other day, um, I was, uh, we were being held in a station, uh, and I was like late for work. So I was like pissed off already. And I look out and what do I see? But just the, the sort of, you know, atyp, you know, the, the, the typical black sort of, you know, square duffel bag that's in every, you know, every terrorist has with a bomb. And it's just standing on the platform. No one is there. There's one guy on the other end of the platform and then this giant duffel bag, 
you know, with no one around him. And uh, myself, I couldn't help it. It was just like, oh, my God, like close the doors, get the train going, you know, and it made me really, really uncomfortable. And then I had to just step back and be like, some idiot just left the bag there. You know, that's what it is. Not every black duffel bag is a, a suitcase nuke. Um, but yeah, you know, just the, the constant, the constant, uh, you know, reiteration of it. That even me myself, um, you know, who's constantly talking about, oh, how crazy this stuff is. I was on the platform and was like, you know, I was about to get out and go to another, <laughs> another train car so I wouldn't get, you know, the brunt of the bombing or, uh, or I started looking around at, okay, who's the, who's the trigger man here? Uh, and then I had to, you know, sort of stop myself and be like, what are you doing? You know, like, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, you're going to go to work in you know, two minutes, you're going to be at work and nothing will, nothing will have happened. Um, but yeah, so just, yeah, just to, to reiterate that, keep that in mind. Um, that, uh, yeah, next time you're at the airport or something, it probably is just someone's bag that they left there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, you know, it's like, um, okay, you got all these cops, right, and these agents and these TSA and these people, and they don't really have anything to do mm. other than to maybe, um, like I was saying, they, I mean, they busy themselves creating the threat that they're protecting us from. Mm-hmm. Or the creating the perception of the threat. And I think mm-hmm. that that is their in the modern right now, as we speak, that is their that is their real that is their real work. I mean, that's what they're really doing there. That, and that, that's really clear with the FBI, especially even that. I mean, that's been coming out in the news even. It's like, oh, yeah, they averted a terror attack. And but then you like you kind of look into it further and it's like. Oh, well, yeah, the FBI created the scenario and basically prodded somebody, some, some, you know, half retarded guy to, to go along with it after prodding him for like two or three years. Mm-hmm. And finally, they're like, holy shit. Yeah. I guess I need some money. What do you want me to do? Oh, well, then you stand here on the corner and then, you know, you, 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 you know, and then the whole thing was totally set up by the FBI. But yeah, that's, that's what they're busying themselves doing is. Mm generating you know creating perception management in the pub, pub public's mind that there is this threat and then they justify it by saying well you know by doing this we're averting a real thing from happening cuz you know we believe in muslim terror and you know we're not seeing it and we're not experiencing it for real or maybe they think that there is real terrorism going on or they're just as brainwashed as everybody else but you know, but but the concept that they want to generate in the public mind and perpetuate this uh, idea of a threat or the perception of a threat, um, it's definitely mm. something that is is beneficial to to you know their livelihood, their jobs, and their their whole reason for existence. You know, mm. so yeah, yeah, but yeah, I don't think it's a cause for concern to see a bag laying on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay, guys. Don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, if you close to it and you hear it, like maybe ticking. Yeah, exactly. Like right, right. Maybe, there, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe tell somebody. But uh, other than that, yeah, it's it's fine. <laughs> um, but anyway, Chris, I actually got to get running. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you coming on here and talking to us. And uh, definitely, always. A, yeah, I love coming on. Yeah, I mean, any. Let me know um, anytime. I haven't. Uh, I've been so busy. Uh, with other stuff, I haven't I haven't been able to go on other people's shows, um, you know. And with the, it's nice to not uh, have to worry about Homeland. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we 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 did a pretty good job of kind of giving a a, a real good overview of what it what what's going on there with it mm. show and I thought that yeah was and really I, I mean I, I, yeah I mean you, you know and you want people to go and listen to it yeah 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 you know I, what I, I uh, like eating potatoes um it's also just the way me and Tom did it. I mean it's twelve episodes it's a lot of material that we cover yeah where is that at by the way it's all done it's all it's all you know it's all done it's up on my on my YouTube channel, you can you can get uh, it's a a separate playlist. So it'll you know I, I put up every episode we did on on my show plus on Tom's. So it's all up on a playlist. And um, that's at PorkinsPolicyReview.com. dot com. Well, you can find them all there. You can you know you can go right to the, my YouTube channel, which is uh, uh, YouTube.com slash one one three eight Porkins. Oh, okay, cool. One one three eight, like THX eleven. Yeah, yeah, exactly like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, you can find. Yeah, there's a playlist with that. Um, but I think I, I think your listeners know how to find my stuff. Yeah, and I'm gonna put a link to your site on the sidebar. And oh, I'm cool. Gonna, yeah, and I'll I'll do that too. So nice. Should be easy to find at hoaxbusterscall.com. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thanks, Pierce, for coming on, man. And uh, you take care and uh, talk to you next time. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you uh, again, Chris and, and John. I know you're not here on the call right now, but thanks uh, to both of you guys. All right. Good deal, man. And uh, Porkins Policy Review, check that out. And then Clandestime is the uh, podcast, too, right? Mm. And uh, yeah, I'll yes, have the yeah. link at Hoaxbusters called dot com as well mm. yeah if you yeah if you just go to porkinspolicyreview.com you can find all of uh all my uh podcasts and episodes uh and uh, clandestine is tom's podcast but i'm on that frequently as well and you can find him at spyculture.com all right man real good
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.